Welcome to the Connect Your Health to Life coaching podcast. I'm your host, Seth Lusk. I'm a master certified life coach and published author with a decade-long background working in the health, wellness, and fitness industry as a personal trainer, nutrition specialist, and life coach. If you're anything like me or the clients that I work with, then you might be struggling with some confidence issues or struggling with feeling like you're not living your most fulfilling or authentic life. You may be trying to figure out why you have these amazing desires for what your most fulfilling life would look like, but you can't seem to create consistent action in your life to reflect those desires. So join me as we dive in deep on what it means to truly live a fulfilled and authentic life from the inside out. We're going to look from the perspective of an empowered mindset and uncover some of the reasons why you might be what's holding yourself back from living that most fulfilling life. But don't worry, this isn't about blame, guilt, or shame. This is about empowering you to see. I'm going to break through some of the biggest illusions and myths that we've all been taught to believe along the way. And I'm so excited to have you with me on this journey. So my only question for you is, are you ready to start living your most fulfilling life once and for all? Then let's get started, shall we? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time, welcome, welcome. You picked a fun episode to join in on for the first time this week. I know I normally say it's interesting and it will be interesting, but this week it's going to be something a little bit different and kind of fun. So we're talking about accountability today, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic is because I feel like it is greatly misunderstood by the self-help community and by a lot of people who get into personal development and personal growth, and so many people out there are using the system of accountability partners. And when I talk to a lot of people who use this sort of method of getting changes done by um, you know, using an accountability partner, I notice some common themes that are very disempowered and put people in a state of victimhood to themselves and also put them in a habit of um, acting in their people-pleasing nature in order to create the, and go after their goals. And so I wanted to address this. And I want to open up the topic this week in sort of a fun way versus my typical style of sitting down and talking with you all and breaking down the topic, breaking down definitions, and talking with you all about where we're struggling and what we can do differently. And I'm not saying I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to do that. But to introduce the topic today, I decided I wanted to do something a little bit different because I polled a bunch of friends, I texted a bunch of friends to ask them about this concept of accountability, and if they use accountability partners, and why, and how they use them, and what feels important about it, and the vast majority of people that answered me back gave me very stereotypical, very the answers that I expected to receive, that it's easier to disappoint themselves than to disappoint someone else, or answers along the line of, oh, if I don't have someone holding me accountable, I won't do it. I need someone to make me do it. I need to, you know, I'm worried about what the other person, I need to be worried about what the other person will think about me in order to get it done. And these were the common answers. And one of my friends who also works in the field of psychology, she's studying um, right now to get a master's in psychology. Um, she gave me an answer very similar to how I approach accountability. And she's a good friend of mine here in Zurich. And she's also from the US just like me. So we're both American expats living here in the city of Zurich, Switzerland. 
And when she gave me her answer, I was like, Jay, I need you to come on the podcast with me and let's have a discussion about this live in front of my audience. Well, not live, but recorded. We're going to record it for my audience so people can hear us just talking about this and opening up this topic of accountability and where we see um, our points of view of accountability and where we see people sort of slipping into this people-pleasing, very victim-y, um, and, and in a way it's about self-hatred form of accountability. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, so guys, this is my friend Jay that's going to join us. Um, you're going to love her. She's a lot of fun, super bubbly, fun person. We're just going to have a conversation. And you guys listen in. Any of you all who are interested in this topic, which I assume if you're listening today, you are interested if you want to, hit me up with an email, or you can hit me up in the show notes and comments, or hit me up on social media, and let me know what aspects of this conversation really um, hit an interest point for you, because I'm going to be doing a second episode on accountability by myself, where I break it down like I usually do, and I'm going to be doing that in the next two to three weeks for you all, and so I would love to know what aspects of this conversation really piqued your interest and that you would be interested in hearing more about um, in more of an in depth sort of analysis, sort of me talking to you all, um, platform that I normally do. So hit me up, let me know what about this episode you found interesting, what you want to hear more about, but guys enjoy our conversation. I know you will. Yeah. Here's me and Jay. All right. We have a recording in progress. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Hey, I've got my friend Jay here. Jay and I both live in Zurich, Switzerland, but ironically, we're both from the U S she is from New Jersey and I'm from, you know, the Washington DC area on the Virginia side. So we met living here in Zurich and, um, she's been a friend of mine for a few years now, right? We've known each other for a few years now. Yeah. Through, we met at karaoke. She loves singing. I love singing. And <laughs> we found out as we became friends that we both really, really love psychology. And um, so, yeah, I wanted to bring Jay on today to talk with you all or to talk with me. Um, and then you guys just kind of listen in because we're going to have a crazy conversation, I'm sure, about accountability. Crazy. Yes. <laughs> we, tend to, we tend to usually have crazy conversations. So, Um, stick with us here. We're going to talk about accountability with you guys. Um, And I also want to talk uh, a little bit or have Jay talk with you all about the difference between intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation and how this kind of plays into the concept of accountability. But before we jump into that, Jay, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and just tell everyone a little bit about you, what you want them to know. You can keep all the secrets you don't want them to know. I promise I won't tell. (laughs) (laughs) You better not. I'm holding you to our karaoke oaths. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So I'm Jay. I study psychology and neuroscience at King's College London. And I primarily focus on research that has to do with how we learn and how we um can attain skills for ourselves to learn better, to learn more efficiently. Um, This is particularly focused on school-age children. However, I do study kind of cognitive behavioral science for all people in general. I am an English teacher and social-emotional learning coach right now for children in an international school here in Zurich. 
So that's what I do and what I study and a little bit um, of my background. And as you know, I met, (laughs) yeah, I met Seth at karaoke and I'm very open to new experiences and I'm very excited to be on here and talking with you. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's really cool. Part of also why I wanted to bring you on for this particular topic, um, not only because of your, your views about the use of accountability partners and you choosing to sort of be or, or act in more intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation, but also since you do focus on, on the learning side of psychology, how people learn things, I feel like this this ties in a whole lot to our sort of approaches to learning as how we perceive ourselves as being either extrinsically or intrinsically motivated. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's about, I, I really feel that it's about how you choose to behave in the world is also a product of how you perceive yourself, but your behavior and actually what your own capabilities can be two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was asking you about this earlier this week, guys, I texted so many of my friends this week and we're, you know, this, <laughs> this is what it's like to be a friend of Seth Lusk is that you get these <laughs> random text messages in the middle of the week where it's me asking you, hey, I know you're probably in the middle of work, but have this deep conversation with me right now. <laughs> So I texted all of my friends and a lot of my family members, and I was asking them about this concept of accountability and um, whether or not they use accountability partners, what they see as important about accountability or accountability partners. And so many people gave me like the same answers over and over again about how they use accountability partners because um, they are afraid to disappoint someone else and that's a source of motivation for them and that it's easier Mm -hmm. to disappoint themselves than to disappoint someone else. So they use these accountability partners. And Jay was one of the only people that texted (laughs) back and she was like, I don't really use accountability partners because I tend to, you know, be more intrinsically motivated. And I was like, yeah, we need to have you on the podcast to talk because... (laughs) This is, this is where I'm coming from too. So yeah, tell me where, where do you see um, accountability and accountability partners, this whole concept? How do you, how do you perceive this from your perspective? Yeah, I was just looking up our, our text conversation. It was funny because, um, you know, until you actually wrote me that I never, I really never considered it for myself because um, I come from the belief that any form of motivation I have, I need to inspire within myself. And it has to come from a, a holistic, wholesome place that I really want to do this, that I have made a decision and that I hold myself accountable to fulfill my goal, which brings me, I think, a great deal of satisfaction rather than I would rely on someone else for that kind of feedback and that motivating factor. Um, So as I told you in our text message, uh, so there's a couple things. I think that you absolutely should have 
people in your corner who support you and inspire you to achieve goals. I think that this is just kind of a fundamental aspect of friendship. I mean, um, you also, you're a great example. You pursue me, you're like, get on that goal. You can do this. Um, you know, you're very inspiring and you also have the aspect of realism along with that. And I think that's great and that's important to have. Um, however, it also comes for, uh, how can I say it? My drive to fulfill my goals is just me. Yeah. And even though it's great to have a friend supporting me doing that, um, it if doesn't, it shouldn't make a difference. Yeah. Right. Like if I wasn't supporting you, then you wouldn't like, oh, well, Seth's not supporting me. So I'm not doing this, you know, or if. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Because that must mean, in my opinion, and in my mind, in my life, I must not really want that anyway. And there's a problem with how I'm approaching my life and maybe even my problems that I'm faced with and obstacles that I'm limiting myself to think that I can't do this without relying on someone else as a crutch for me, as an emotional crutch. And I think that's really, you're, you're literally emotionally debilitating yourself, I feel like, mm -hmm. when you have that kind of mindset that you need someone else. Yeah, exactly. This is something that I, I find people and uh, our society as a whole sort of teaches us to do is to be dependent on other people for so many different things. And one of those things being this whole accountability idea. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, as you said, it's, it's not that I or you believe like having friends that you feel inspired by or challenged by, or um, even you get motive, you feel motivated when you, you see them and hear them and you talk to them, but it all goes back to eventually it comes back to, I'm the one that decides. And it's like you said, you know, you, you use this word and I, I love the fact because I, I know you do that. Like, this is, this isn't you just talking like literally I can speak for Jay. She <laughs> literally is someone <laughs> that it's like, if you tell her this is a good idea and you know, maybe you want to consider doing this, she will be the first one to be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> 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 she, she will literally just look at you and say yeah I can see why you believe that that sounds like a great idea but no I'm not going to do that <laughs> and I appreciate that about you I also appreciate yeah. that, that, that you see that when you are doing something even if you've spoken with me about it or 500 people about it you recognize that when you are doing it it's because it's important for you and you are deciding to do it right and I think that's just I think that's a lot of the problem and a lot of the problem potentially with social media is that we're so oversaturated with what, you know, the perfect idea of life and, you know, uh, everybody's kind of opinion of the ideal self. And actually it should be, what's your ideal self? You as a person, 
as an individual, what kind of ideal self do you want to promote? And that shouldn't, your ideal self, your version of your best you should not be dictated about how other people believe you should reach your goals because then you're refining yourself and how you get to the goal, which is also, it requires change within you. It requires personal reflection and it requires you to adapt your learning skills. You're taking that away from yourself because I argue you're not then ever taking a step back and reflecting about, okay, why did I fail? What could I improve on? Because you're having someone else in your ear telling you, oh, you did this, this, and this wrong, and this is what you can do better. And a big part of learning is knowing you did it yourself and also working on the issue yourself so you have further tools in your toolkit to help yourself That's self-efficacy. And one of the big things that I really love is Martin Seligman. And he's um, a major, major professor in psychology. He's award-winning. And he has this resilience and grit um, and positivity mindset. And one of the most important things about this realm of psychology is that you yourself have the power to be resilient and um, drive your own goals. That's the biggest determinant to success as an individual. That's one of the greatest markers is self-efficacy. And this is also reflected when we measure psychologically quality of life in individuals, how they score. Mm-hmm. It, is your own interpretation of how you are. Nobody right. else, how you are, because your markers can be two totally different things. How you measure yourself in comparison to your interpersonal concepts, like how you think Betty thinks you're doing in life, you're going to turn out so much lower on a quality of life scale. scale sorry. But if you measure it about how you think you are in life, and also have this kind of positive mindset, you're going to score so much higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like so many people these days are, are giving that power, that self-efficacy away to opinions of other people that they feel like, Oh, I have to believe that about me. I have to, Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like this is a conversation that I have regularly with my clients is them feeling disempowered because they, you know, hear someone else telling them how they perceive their life. And then they take this on as their own belief about themselves versus it being like them looking at how do I want to see my life? How do, what is, you know, and the other side of this is they don't even know their own authentic goals in life because their, their goals that they have are based on how they're comparing themselves to other people and what they think other people think that they should want in their life. Right. And that's a great point because um, for me, and I think multiple studies show, you cannot have self-efficacy and accountability without authenticity. Mm -hmm. And part of that authentic um, mindset is 
being intrinsically motivated versus extrinsically motivated. And Seth, you know I love this. So do you want to tell your audience what this is? <laughs> what what is? It's, I'm not sure if they know. Um, intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation, like the ah, definition. Yeah. So yeah. when we talk about intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation, we're talking that these are these are terms used in the psycho psychology community, but in the coaching community, this would be like what I constantly talk about when I talk about um, our self-image or our self-love or our self-care versus us looking externally or out in the world for our source of um, our view of ourselves, our source of our power, our source of motivation to change. So intrinsic motivation is basically my ability to know fully for myself and decide for myself with intention what it is that I want to create in this life. And then for me to look within myself and why these things are important for me and use those as my energy to draw myself towards my goals versus me looking outside of myself to other people and saying, okay, you tell me what is important for me in life. And then not only do you tell me what is important for me in life, but I'm going to look to you to give me the how, how I'm going to do it, give me the instruction, and also <laughs> to provide me with the inspiration and the energy and the feelings that I need to have about myself in order to create the energy to move towards those goals. That is extrinsic mm -hmm. motivation. So I'm looking to something outside of me to provide me with the feelings that I want to feel to go after my goals. Right. And this could be money. This could be what your parents think your career should be versus what you think your career should be. This can be, this can even be relationships. So this concept is kind of tricky because there are some studies that show um, interpersonal relationships can be intrinsically motivated. Um, but then, of course, there's a other part where um, interpersonal relationships can be entirely extrinsically motivated because, you know, you have a certain social status in life. We all have these statuses or whatever that we class ourselves into, that we put ourselves into. And of course, certain personal relationships can be more beneficial to your status versus who you are as a person. So we have to be careful also when we consider relationships, even if they're intrinsically motivated or if they're extrinsically motivated. Yeah. And even there, so say for instance, if it were for, for social status in a part of this is, is still kind of intrinsically motivated if we really look at it, but we're not seeing it as that. We're looking at it as completely being based on something external. And that's the huge difference. It's the truth of the matter is all energy that we ever use to motivate ourselves comes from intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. But when we see, when our perspective in our brain is that it's coming from something outside of us, then we create this illusion of disempowerment. And this is where you talk about like the quality of life is diminished. It's, it's right. actually, it's actually because of how we're looking at it. We literally teach ourselves to believe that we have no power, even though we do, <clears throat> we're using it regularly, but we don't even see that we're doing it. 
Right. And I came prepared. <laughs> There's a very interesting study that was in 2019 um, from researchers in Germany and Carmen Fisher. It's um, extrinsic motivators on creativity and innovation. And here I can send you the link. Give me one second podcast people so he can see what I'm looking at. So. <laughs> Um, so they found a certain, so to summarize, this study found that, um, a certain amount of extrinsic motivation can be healthy interpersonally, for example, in a workplace, um, when it's mediated by pure intrinsic interpersonal relationships And the idea that you yourself um, complement a company or a group um, innovative innovative and creative performance. And what I will argue that this proves is that I believe this totally discredits kind of the accountability um, partner concept because there is nothing kind of innovative that I would I would suggest that you are really bringing forth to the table in a um, in kind of an accountability partner. They're bringing something to you. Now, your accountability partner may feel great about the whole exchange. Your accountability partner, I would argue, emotionally is profiting more from the exchange than you are. What would you think, Seth? I can see how, yes, the, the accountability partner does profit greatly from it um, in, in many ways. But yeah, I, I, for me, it's, I think, like you said, this whole intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation when it comes to accountability, this discredits, I don't know if it discredits accountability so much as it discredits the way we're using accountability. And what I mean by that is that we're using it as a source of motivation. We're using it as a source of um, an an energy that we want to use to create change. And oftentimes we use um, guilt and shame as the energy that's coming from this accountability partner that's like forcing us to do things that we actually want to do. Or the question becomes like, why are you having someone force you to do something if you don't authentically want to do it? So, right. Yeah. I think, I think this whole, this whole concept here, it does, it discredits the way that we are using accountability in the fact that we see accountability as being this one way street. And we see it about um, it being that the other person provides us with the energy that we want to feel in order to motivate us to create change. And that's sort of kind of, that's what, what I take from this. Right. Like I would say, if you can find a way um, to quote unquote, use an accountability partner in a way that's truly creative, truly relying on your ideas, yet it's authentically what you want. And no matter what this person says to you, that you will choose to act in a way that's authentic to yourself, that you make this self-commitment to yourself. 
I think that it could be beneficial for you. But I, w- I would also say, I believe that a lot of people don't get that kind of higher level thinking. Mm-hmm. They, they, and it, it's not, you know, you do want to relate to people. And obviously, part of relating to people is also a series of compromises. But you know, for your own mental health, for your own well-being, and for your own drive and development as a person, there are fine lines where you need to step back and say, you know what, I need to do this for me. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Yes. And that's, that's part of what gives people that efficacy that we talked about earlier and motivation, self-motivation, drive, passion. Um, and it also adapts and refines their learning skills. Yes. And thinking skills. And that's actually, right. I, I was, um, sorry, I had to put something over on the, the couch. I was thinking about this after, after I texted you and asked you if you would hop on this call with me. Um, I was thinking about, so I don't necessarily believe that having an accountability partner is a terrible thing. Um, as you said, you know, you have friends that you, you look to, to kind of bounce ideas off of, and you, you glean inspiration and challenge yourself through them. And so I was thinking to myself over this past, these past few days, like, okay, so what, how would I want to use an accountability partner or in what ways have I used accountability partners in the past? And here's what I found really interesting about my own personal experience with accountability partners is that my accountability partners couldn't keep up with me. <laughs> and the reason why is because it, it's, it had nothing to do with their ability to hold me accountable. It actually had to do with the mm. fact that when I set goals for myself and I, I tell myself I'm going to do something, the moment I start taking steps towards it, I'm learning more about what it is that I truly want from the thing that I'm going after. And right. So many times in my steps, You're developing. right. And so many times in my steps towards a goal, what I truly want becomes more and more clear. And then therefore the result of the action is going to be a little, refined. yes, yeah. exactly. And so a lot of times exactly. when I was, when I was talking to my accountability partners, you know, I would get, uh, I would go to them for these conversations, but not so that I could be like, oh, I did the thing that I told you to do here. Yeah. Check it off the list and be proud of me. (laughs) It was more like, okay, so this is what I did this week. And this is what came out of it. And this is what I realized I want to do differently next week. And here's why, what do you think about that? And Mm. it was like, they didn't know what kind of feedback to give me there. Because, right, because for, you changed and you developed and they can't reach inside your head. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm not looking mm. for guilt or shame or be like, oh, well, you didn't do the exact thing that you said you were going to do here. You've got to go back and do that. You know, right? I, like I knew what it was that I wanted and I was okay with learning as I went and changing and mm. adapting the result of the goal based on what I was learning as I was going after the goal. And what I learned was, what I'm actually looking for in an accountability partner is not someone for me to say, here's what I'm going to do. Make sure I do it. Mm. It's that I want someone that when I can be like, okay, this is what I did this week. And this was the result I got. And this is where I think I want to head in the direction of next. I want right. someone to bounce these ideas off of so that they can 
they can offer me feedback that challenges my thinking and gets me right like a challenger exactly because i think that's part of the healthy aspect of growth is that you do need people and i told you i don't have anybody pretty much in my friend group that lasts a long time with a weak spine like i want you to challenge me at the same time um i don't want you to challenge me in terribly unpleasant ways but i do actually i'm pretty open um as you know with challenging viewpoints challenging perspectives um that's really healthy you shouldn't have all the same friends who think the same as you act the same as you um you know support i would argue a lot of times our friends think that they need to support us no matter what and i would argue that that's a lot of times um them themselves also being fearful that if they are authentic to themselves and maybe tell you something that you won't want to hear, they'll lose that connection with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that you have to worry about that with accountability partners. And I also think um, there's the opposite perspective of accountability partners, right? Like you a little bit touched on it just then um, because you said you don't need someone to shame you. I do think accountability partners can be a very authoritarian role mm-hmm. um, because someone is over you adjusting what you should and shouldn't do. And we've seen in many different exper- experiments in psychology, I mean, there's a list. When people are given that authoritarian aspect over you, It doesn't matter if you had a perfect relationship before and everything was sunshine and roses, suddenly they will act the part of your life manager. So be careful who you hand that role to because there are many personalities and it's just a human thing to do. I would argue all personalities are capable to kind of just adopt that role and become very authoritarian and very, very hard for you to kind of break free from Mm -hmm. and keep the same relationship you had as maybe before. Right. So yeah, there, there are really two different approaches to this here. It's kind of like, okay, so if I were to tell someone, um, okay, I want to, so I, I'm an entrepreneur. You you guys know this about me. I have I have my own coaching business. I've been doing this for six years now, and um, you know I can I can go to a friend, say Jay, and say I want to grow my business this year. And if I were to tell her like this is what I'm this is what I'm trying to do. These are the projects I'm working on. This is what I'm working towards um, towards expanding my business. You know, Jay can take on two different roles here. She could take on the role of, you know, the the authoritarian sort of accountability partner <laughs> that's like, no, you said do it. You were gonna do this by this time and you're not doing it, you're failing, you suck at this. Come mm-hmm. on, you gotta, you gotta do better, Seth. Come on. <laughs> and then there's the other side to it. And this is what what I enjoy doing as, as a coach in the way that I hold people accountable is, you know, taking the approach of, okay, this person has tasked me with knowing their goals with them. And 
being a source of um, challenge along there. And I can take that as being, okay, so this is what you said you wanted to do. So tell me, how are you doing that right now? How is what you've done so far creating these things that you told me you wanted to do? How is it doing that? Tell me that. And as long as they can answer that, then I'm like, I'm holding you accountable because you're showing me right now how it is that you are showing up to do the things that you told me you wanted to do versus it being about me being like, you're not good enough yet. You still haven't reached this goal. You said you were going to be making X amount of money by this date and you're still not doing it. So why didn't you try harder? And you know, all of this like guilt and shame and um, sort of uh, diminishing a person versus it being about, you know, really challenging them to see how they are doing the things that they said they want to do and how are they going to continue doing them in the path that they're in right now. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that's as well, um, just different people's personality types and how they would support. Not all personality types are made for that kind of support or can offer you the best, probably accountability partner that you could have. I know for myself, I'm a great motivator, but I'm a great person who does it self-wise. I'm not so good in an accountability role per se. I'm very good as a motivating person, but I, um, I am one of those people who would be probably too authoritarian if I took on per se that specific role of holding someone accountable and I have to because I am very much in control of my own life and also aspects that I would say play into my life like Seth's mentioned I'm very much a person who can hear a person and respect them and respect their opinion but I'm doing what I want to do and I would be very <laughs> nervous that I would take more on the authoritarian role, which is why I'm never going to be a police officer or anything like that, that requires uh, intense, uh, you know, baton whirling and everything like that, because I know that's not my, that's not my niche. And even with the children in school, I say all the time, you can do it yourself. You have got this. I 100% believe in you. You can do it. And when they tell me, no, I can't pass a certain point, I just, I ignore, I, you know, and a lot of people, that's the funny thing, don't believe even it starts in childhood where, you know, there is a certain amount of to be there for a child. You have to be um, because you want them to feel safe. You want them to feel nurtured. And that starts from your childhood that you kind of develop this safe space. But if you do that too much, they're going to grow up to need an authoritarian accountability partner, which I think from this conversation, we illustrated quite well why you don't want that. They do need to already focus on self-efficacy skills and learning how to take care of themselves, learning how to manage their emotions, learning to be authentic, to communicate what they're feeling outside so they don't grow up and hit people or become violent. You know, these Mm -hmm. type of things are really underestimated and it starts in childhood. Yeah. 
I think there's another side to this too. Uh, you know, we, we keep kind of um, dancing around this, the, the authentic, the authenticity side of this. And I kind of want to like dive into that a little bit more directly because, you know, when I, when I texted all of my friends about this accountability right. thing, the, the overwhelming common response that I got was that they use accountability partners because they're afraid of letting another person down and they're <laughs> afraid of disappointing another person. And I talk about this all of the time in, in my podcast and in like all of the stuff that I do in my book, it's this, this aspect of people pleasing. And there is a huge Absolutely. component, I think that we are, we are taking on when we talk about accountability these days and you know, so many of the, the self-help avenues, they play on this, this, this people pleasing desire to like tell people mm. to use accountability partners. And what I want right. to say is that I think that this is harming us in a way like that. We're not looking at the fact that we're using accountability partners because we're afraid of what other people will think of us. Right. And that's where I would say like a bit, I would argue acceptance and commitment um this kind of um paradigm uh is the best form of self-help that you can give yourself because i I think part of authenticity is when you you say yeah okay this is who i am Um, you have to really have an authentic view of yourself after you have accomplished goals by yourself, after you've done it, after you've ex- seen where you failed or where you succeeded and say, okay, this is realistically what I probably can do. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to commit to improving this person I am. I might have limitations, but I'll never know if I don't. Um, and really working from that authentic perspective of self-love I think that's where we're going also to is Mm -hmm. the topic of self-love loving yourself committing to who you are and not letting any other mediating factor take that away from you because Mm -hmm. that's your personhood that's the person you wake up to that's the person you go to sleep to you know that's a person with you for your whole damn life. <laughs> but how often, how often is it that you see, and I, I see it all the time that people, they wait around for other people to tell them who they are. They won't decide it for themselves. They're like terrified to decide for themselves who they are. Right. Exactly. And I think, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's uncomfortable. It's, you know, finding yourself is not a comfortable experience, I would say. To really critically evaluate yourself with a real, and also it's hard to do it because there are a lot of people out there who, um, you know, they critically evaluate themselves too much. We we know that. Um, But you also should have a healthy critical evaluation of yourself. You know, it has to be that kind of balance where you say, okay, for how many bad things you can find about yourself, you have to find that much good and then more on top of that. And then you have to have a third list about 
where you can improve and then a fourth list, how you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Because if you stay complacent and don't find these things about yourself, you're just letting life and uh, people drag you down the road. Yeah. You're just kind of kicking the can um, until you get to your deathbed. And, you know, by then you, you are who you are. And I would much rather prefer to be a person who was in charge of my own destiny mm-hmm. and who thoroughly loves the person I am on my deathbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to decide for ourselves who we are, even if other people don't understand it or see it and being willing to own that and believe it. Mm. And, and in believing, we take action when we believe. So we, we act in behaviors that, that express that person that we know we are, even when right. other people don't understand it, even when other people don't see it. And <clears throat> I think that there's this, you know, this, this aspect of, of the, when it comes to accountability, where I see people falling apart when it comes to this is that, you know, it's like they, they want to believe who they are. They want to Mm -hmm. express who they are, but then they're afraid to, to own it. They're afraid to truly believe it. They still, there's that part of them that wants that external validation that it's true, you know, and they seek that through, I'm going to tell this person that this is what I'm going to, to do. Um, and, you know, really what we're doing is, is an expression of who we are. It's who we already are. We're just figuring out how we express it. Right. In and uh, I right. think a lot of people believe that the action determines whether or not they are that. And so they're waiting for the other person to perceive their action and be like, oh yeah, congratulations, you get the gold star. You're now allowed to believe that this is who you are versus it being... Right. This is even like with toxic relationships and, you know, you see it, the person doesn't want someone. Um, Billy, let's say Billy doesn't want Gina, but Gina thinks if she just loses some weight, um, does her makeup a little bit different, acts this in this way, that suddenly Billy is going to wake up and have a realization be, wow, holy cow. You know, you are those things here. Let me tell you how, how much of an idiot I am and how much I've missed. And then Gina goes, oh, wow, I must really be that now because he said it. Yeah. You know, but she didn't, you know, she, she was pretty before she was smart before she was worth all of those things. It's just that, I mean, part of my French, Billy was an asshole. That's it. That, that's that's what happened in that situation. It was nothing wrong with Gina. It's just that Billy was not uh, the person for her. Billy didn't see his, her her value. Um, because yeah, maybe maybe all of those things are better. Maybe Gina's happy with the new improvements to herself. But did it come from an authentic place? Now Gina knows that she's got to do this, this, and that to keep that because mm-hmm. he didn't see the value in her before. Right. Does that really feel good? I think, no, I don't think it does. 
if you know that a person doesn't value you for who you are, no matter if you change everything and suddenly they wake up and they say, oh, I value you. You always know you have that sitting deep in your subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this plays into a, a lot of why we choose accountability partners too, is we're looking to the accountability partner to see about us and accept about and us. And to feed what, an ego. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And we're to doing feed it. your ego. Right. And we're doing yeah. it from, again, this, this, this place of, of people pleasing and wanting the other person to validate us. And yeah, we're like looking to them, like, do I get the gold star? Do I get the check? Did I do it good enough? You know, mm-hmm. add a boy. Yeah. Right. Or add a girl. Yeah. Except that in our voice, in your head always knows. Okay. And the only way that you can squash that voice, that's like, okay. Um, do I have value? Is that if you do something by yourself authentically that you feel proves you have value, that you feel is valuable because it doesn't matter what anybody else says, only you can determine how much value you do or don't have. Yeah, exactly. You determine your person. Exactly. And so I think when we bring these accountability partners in as a way to, to validate, as a way to, um, what is the word I'm looking for here, to, to prove our worth to them, this is, where, mm. this is where this accountability becomes sort of a, a toxic relationship for us. Or a to- we, we start using it in a way where we're actually reinforcing our beliefs and our own conditional worth through this Mm. accountability partner versus it, it being about, you know, about um, challenging ourselves, inspiring ourselves through another person who has a different perspective than us. It's we're looking for them to tell us that it's okay for us to believe we're good enough now. Yeah. No, I think that really hits it on the head that that's so, so valuable. You know, you can't, you can't take away dignity and pride and feelings of accomplishment for a person because then if you do it, it it's not their accomplishment anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just um it's just an action in a role kind of we all play. It's yeah. just like acting. Yeah. You're exactly. not doing it. Yeah. If you're doing it you might, to, to make someone else see something about you that you want to believe about yourself, then yeah. Right. And that's okay if you're not, uh, you know, I think a lot of people get caught up in these um, heroine and heroes type figures that they think that this needs to happen for them to be their best self. And the thing is, everybody is flawed. But of course, you only see on the media and um, even when you're meeting friends for the first time or people, uh, people act like the best version of themselves, but actually their self is a whole bunch of other things too. And that person is deeply flawed. We all are deeply flawed. Um, It's just that people aren't showing this outwardly 
and on display, they're not showing it on their Instagrams. You're, you're never going to see me with like a gallon of ice cream stomach out. Um, I told Seth, my husband uh, shrunk all my bras. You're never going to see me like, like that on social media, at least not mine. Like you're never going to see that version of me. Uh, number one, I mean, I, I need my makeup done. I'm just a person who likes to feel like that. Like I like to do that for me. Um, <laughs> but you know, you're never going to see these aspects of somebody else that you think you should have because you think everybody has that, but they don't, nobody yeah. has everything. Nobody's got it all. Yeah. I think social media allows us to filter our, our human experience quite a bit. And then we all get this very um, sort of toxic idea of, you know, this is who this person is and I have to be like that in order to be good enough versus seeing, seeing them for this is, well, first of all, this is a filtered version of their human experience. Second of all, <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't who they are. This is how they're trying. I like the desert filter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gives yeah. me an extra sun kiss glow. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's very easy for us to fall into these, these, um, these roles, these very false ideas of, of what it is that mm. we think we should be, what it is that we think that we want in life. And then we turn around and we, we use that same sort of energy to, to find these accountability partners that we want to be like the people that will validate us and be like, oh no, yeah, you finally made it. You're there. You're good enough now. Mm, right. Yep. I really and agree. What do you think about people that, what would your advice be to someone who says that they are they're using accountability partners because they feel like disappointing themselves is easier than disappointing someone else. Hmm. I mean, if I was being really honest, I would say. Hmm. So repeat the question one more time. So a lot of the, the overwhelming response that I got from people when I asked them about accountability and why the people that do use accountability partners use them, it's yeah. that it's easier for me to disappoint myself than to disappoint someone else. Oh, yeah. I would say, what? Well, why does yourself have less value than another person? Why do you, and honestly, I might even ask if it was a close friend, why do you hate yourself? Why is someone else's opinion worth more than yours? Why would someone else's feeling or thoughts about your goals, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, why does it matter that much to you more than another person? And I would, I would really ask, is this a form of hatred? Do you like pain? Because... I imagine if I lived my life like that, that would be quite painful mm -hmm. because if I'm constantly working towards other people's expectations about who I should be or what, what about my own expectations about myself? What about my expectations about the people in my life? You know, if someone else is always saying their expectations, but then I'm being silent and just obedient, 
what am I getting out of this relationship and that kind, these kinds of interactions? Yeah. That's just setting yourself up for, I think, a series of pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's, it's a lack of self-love. Yeah. It's a lot of using this um, away from energy instead of toward energy. You know, like you, like you said, you, you said you would ask them, do you really hate yourself that much? And I think this is what it really boils down to is, you know, we see hate as being this or like, you know, um, not just self-hate, but like self-disgust. We see these as being these Mm. forms, but the truth of the reality is valuing someone else's opinion of yourself more than your own. That's self-hatred right there because you're choosing. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. I told my friend this very recently, we had a very intense discussion a a couple of days ago. And I said, I said, because she was valuing someone else's opinion and what their And, you know, she had the right perspective. I would argue most people would think, you know, it was a interaction between her and another person and she interpreted it right. But then it was a day or two later and she came back to me and she said, oh, well, he said this and he experienced um, this and he's also going through um, things in his life like, you know, an excuse for what was said and what occurred and everything. And I, I asked her, okay, but what about what you go through? What about now the pain that this has made you experience? This is whatever he, he went through, goes through, blah, 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 blah. is not worth more than the experience that this made you feel. This is a very real feeling. And it's totally okay that you own this, that you experience this, and that you're authentic to yourself. You know, if a person suddenly doesn't want to be with you or be friends with you because you let them down, quote, quote, uh, that's probably not a person that you want to entertain because that's very conditional. Yeah. I always, I always use the saying like, Okay, if you're a blueberry, be a blueberry. And if some, <laughs> some people don't like blueberries, but it would be yeah. a bad day for blueberry lovers if all the blueberries were like, well, some people don't like blueberries, so we're going to stop being blueberries and we're going to be avocados instead. And then it's like, okay, now we no yeah. longer have any blueberries for people who love blueberries because all the blueberries were like, well, some people don't like us, so now we've got to be avocados. But guess what? Some people don't like avocados either. So it's, can you, can you choose to just show up as yourself? And yes, there will be people that will express disappointment in it. There will be people that mm-hmm. express dislike in it. And can you just let them have their opinion? No. Let them be wrong about you. Let them misunderstand you. And you still continue being you and know that the people that are, that are going to love you for who you are, they're going to show up in your life. You're going to attract them. But guess what? You're a blueberry so busy trying to be an avocado and a strawberry and an apple and a watermelon. Nobody knows who the you are to even know whether or not they like you. <laughs> so how are you expecting people that are going to truly love you for you to even show up in your life? If like, everyone's like, wait, what are you? You won't even tell us right. because you're waiting for us to tell you right. who you are so you can try and be. Right. right. Yeah. This is like, this is like an interaction with a, a, another person that uh, we do. 
And this person, long story short, we, we won't get into all the details on your podcast because it's it's the tea. But <laughs> um, this person, <laughs> this person, um, made a decision for themselves. I hundred percent support it. Told me didn't didn't like me or I didn't feel comfortable and didn't want to pursue anything more with me um friendship wise um to be clear <laughs> um and I was like and I kind of felt from the interaction as you know that I think that there was more of a response that was you know that they were expecting from me uh an emotional one and instead I said okay bye and you know I can't tell you it didn't make me feel nice I can tell you that it I was like why I was really confused by it I I was I was uh but then I, I you know I took a step back and I realized like hmm if a person already this early um attributes this 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 or this wrong about me or is not open enough to also compromise and like so quick to I would say like let go or x out someone this is not a person for me you know and I think um that's also a danger to get back to our topic too like of accountability partners because if you give someone all that power in kind of your relation relational dynamics how are you to know actually when you don't like, and this is also like the authoritarian concept, what they're doing or what they're deciding for you, or if they're kind of subtly manipulating you, how can you have that kind of, I feel like healthy objectiveness about it all? I really think have, for most yeah. people, they don't have that. They don't have that objectivity. They, they don't, mm-hmm. They don't take the time to create that objectivity in their own life. Well, and and then, you know, the truth is it's, it's, it's fairly subjective anyways, but at the same time, when it comes to ourselves, we have to be willing to, to be objective about our worth because that Mm. is not changeable. And I think because we're, we're so busy being wishy-washy and, and subjective and letting other people determine this, this for us and constantly changing that, that we forget that we are allowed to have that objectivity when it comes to our worth and standing in it and recognizing that certain people, because of their human experience and the lens that they're seeing life through, won't value us. They won't see us the way that we are. They will see it through a lens that we don't want to see ourselves through. And it's okay to allow those people to have their view of you. And you still continue being you and you are unchanged. Exactly. And when this ties, the way this ties back into accountability is, as you said, you know, so many times I see people with, they get in these accountability sort of accountability partner relationships and they lose all objectivity of who they are. They become this like, I don't know, this people pleasing character. Yeah, character. character <laughs> it's just trying to trying to to like bend over backwards and do whatever possible to to get the people validation pleaser. that they're that they're worth yeah. what they want to believe that they're worth. Mm. Yep. 
Yeah, I would say that. And then I would also say that once we start doing that, and if you catch yourself doing that, immediately stop. Don't wait for the next day. Don't wait for the day after that. Immediately stop. Because you're doing yourself such a disservice. You're teaching yourself. You're rewiring your brain. I mean, I could go all day about that. But you're essentially rewiring yourself and operating yourself um, so that situationally that you will continuously have those type of experiences unless you really directly unplug that kind of mechanism Mm -hmm. for yourself. Because we are, people underestimate how much I feel that they are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. And exactly what I said um, earlier about it starts at childhood. You are a creature of habit. How you learn from that age, it's very already hard to break, I would argue, by the time you're 18 through 21. 21 is also, you know, when your brain is done pruning and all of this kind of stuff that occurs in adolescence, your wiring becomes more, more fixated, still plastic, but it's more fixed. And if you only, you know, keep forcing yourself to have these kinds of same situational experiences um, from your interactions, from your interpersonal relationships, all these other aspects, you're just, you're, you're decaying your, your mind, you're decaying your openness, you're decaying all of these, you know, aspects about what I would argue is the positive self, openness, um, conscientiousness, all of these kinds of positive aspects we see or we attribute to humanity, you're diminishing that. Because you're becoming fixated. And that's a very dangerous thing to do as a person. Yeah, this is, I, I talk about this several times on my podcast, the, the reticular activating system in the brain. It's the, the part of the brain where we literally tell the brain what to look for evidence for in the world. And I, mm-hmm. think, I think a lot of the ways that we're using, we're using accountability in the world from this, this very um, sort of victim-y mindset where it's like, we have to have someone else tell us um, what it is that we need to do. And, you know, we have to have someone else give us the motivation and the power to do it because we can't do it ourselves. The more we do that, the more we, we, as you said, we create this creature of habit within ourselves because we're telling our brain over and over again to look for evidence of the fact that we are not able to create intrinsic motivation. We need extrinsic motivation <laughs> Other exactly. people to tell us who we are and that we're good enough. And this is where I think you, you say the, you know, we become less plastic, less elastic as we get older is I think this comes from the fact that we, as we continue to, to do these things over and over again, we literally create, you, you get go, evidence yes, <laughs> and you get evidence. These, we create these massive mounds of evidence for ourselves that this is quote unquote, who we are, that I'm just Mm. not an intrinsically motivated person. I'm extrinsically motivated. So I need extrinsic motivation. And that's not true. It's just that you created so much evidence for yourself by doing this over and over again, that you believe that's true about you. And here's a, here's the thing too. A lot of studies, um, you know, this is off topic, but this is the only one I can think about. Um, for example, um, schizophrenia biases, 
about people who were observing this on the television in the UK. Um, they found that it's pretty much impossible to erase people's biases once they're formed past a certain age. They noticed slight improvements, but it's kind of fixated your biases about the world and your working models about what will, what should happen are a little bit fixated past a certain point. But the interesting thing that they found is that when you force yourself, so they asked these people, so they gave them kind of a year of subliminal messaging, actually alerting them and making them positive, like consciously aware that they have these biases. Then they um, made them experience interactions with people with psychiatric disorder, interactions with trained professionals, with pamphlets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And by exposure to new, these new experiences, they were more willing to live with these people. They were more willing to engage with people who suffer from schizophrenia. They were more willing to have um, interactions. They were more willing to use more appropriate language that doesn't, you know, patient label, that more, um, you know, talks uh, about them from a person-centered perspective. And I think this just goes to show your experiences can't, it's pretty much the only way you can help kind of a little bit shift these models that you build for yourself. And sometimes that is forcing you to do something you really don't want to do. It's really uncomfortable for you to do and just doing it anyway. And that's, I think, the biggest hurdle about that, just doing that leap of faith to hold your own self accountable and just shut up and do it. Mm-hmm. Instead of waiting for that, <clears throat> that fear of, of shame or guilt or disappointment yeah. as being the motivator for, for doing the thing, instead of trying to avoid that discomfort to do the thing, you choose, okay, this is, uh, this is unfamiliar. This is uncertain. I don't know what's going to come out of it, but I'm going to practice courage and I'm going to step into it anyways. And creating that Mm -hmm. pattern of intrinsic motivation and power versus waiting on something external that you're afraid of to try and get away from to force you to do the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've been talking for quite a while now, and I'm sure we could go on and on (laughs) for hours. Anything? We could. It's so interesting. Yes. And I really think. Really. I feel like there's so much more we could talk about here. Like really, this is such a massive topic and it ties into so many different areas of psychology. We have a table talk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have any, any sort of closing thoughts or, or words for, for people before I let you go and get back to your day? Or my audio? Um, I would say... Just if you really feel you need to have an accountability partner, I would already work on your internal working model of even labeling them an accountability partner. Mm -hmm. Just, I would label them um, like an alternative perspective partner. Mm -hmm. Because I think the minute you already adjust a little bit, to relabeling them in your mind and their job role 
reworking that, that you can get more positive aspects about this kind of concept, but you're taking only the positive aspects I would consider about an accountability partner mm-hmm. is giving, getting perspectives from another person so you yourself can innovate that and make your goals pop, like make your um, goal setting more realistic, or you can either actually take their idea, innovate it for yourself, so you achieve the goal. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's not about them, it's about you achieving your goal. Absolutely. And by I, all means necessary. I would I would add on to that, not only changing the sort of the job of the other person um, to to being about like it being about inspiration, it being about different perspective and it being about challenge. I would also if if you feel the need for um, an accountability partner and as a coach, I, I tell my clients this from from the beginning that I will be their quote unquote accountability partner, but we make Mm. an agreement in the beginning that the goal is that they will not need me anymore to be their accountability partner. That is the goal of being their accountability partner is that I want them to learn how to hold themselves accountable. And if you sort of enter into this relationship with another person as sort of an accountability partner with that objective, that the goal is that you want to be able to hold yourself accountable versus just relying on them constantly, then I think this is a very healthy approach. Give them the different job, the different title, and make it intentionally temporary. Like an inspiration innovator. Yes. That's a good, that's a good title for them. An inspirational innovator with you. Yeah. And then you can both, you know, dream up big ideas for yourself. And it doesn't just become some authoritarian role standing over you. Right. Telling you what you want to do. Exactly. Exactly. And this is what I appreciate about our relationship, Jay, is that you and I can have very different opinions <laughs> on a lot of things, um, especially when it comes to psychology. We can have these differing opinions and we can have these conversations where we can, like on the surface, it appears as if we're like completely butting heads and then we can Mm -hmm. sort of step away from the conversation. And I always find myself for like days after our conversations, (laughs) I'm like thinking about new ideas and I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. Jay said this. Oh, I see how it's like, I take the ideas that I hear from you that even though I don't agree with it expands my own definitions of like what I do agree with and makes them more inclusive, makes them more, um, right. More, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, looking for more expansive. Exactly. And I do think that that is the benefit. I could see the real benefit of like, we talked about the accountability partner. It is, is it? It can be about getting inclusive opinions. And also, you know, I think it's a great responsibility for another person. Too much responsibility, I would still argue. But it's also like a show of, you know, you are in it as a community if you have a good friend group. And hopefully you have friends who really care about you and who really love you and who really support you. But at the end of the day, 
you still need to love yourself the most. Yes. I really firmly believe that. Absolutely. That's, that's, that is the note that we are ending this to this on because that is, <laughs> that is really the, the message that I keep trying to get across every topic that I cover. The ending message is it always goes back to self-love. That's what it always goes back to us. Loving other people always goes back to self-love. And when we love other people, it is simply to remind them to love themselves. And that's the, literally the point of all of it. So Absolutely. Can't, could not think of a better note to end things on. At the end of the day, it, the most important thing is you loving yourself. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure and it was so much fun. Yes. We need to do this again sometime. On a next topic that I have. Should we co- take them to karaoke? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll bring you guys. We'll bring the, sing the it out. Sing out the pain. <laughs> Oh, that would be too funny. So yes, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for putting time in your schedule to talk with me about this and and being willing to come on the podcast and share. So it was great. It was so much fun. All right. Hopefully another time. Yes, we will do it again. All right, guys. Um, That was Jay. I hope you all enjoyed hearing from her and um, maybe, you know, leave some leave some thoughts, comments in the comment section of the podcast if you want to have her back on to talk about some other topics i'm sure you guys do all right so i'm going to let jay go for the day say bye to everyone jay bye all right and i will talk to y'all again soon ciao hey thank you for listening in this week i hope you enjoyed the content of this episode if you did please subscribe or follow this podcast to receive the newest episodes every week as I bring them to you here on the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. Ratings, reviews, and comments are always appreciated. These allow me to know more of what my listeners would like in the podcast and allow for more people who may be searching for a podcast just like this one to find the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. If you would like more information about me and the work that I do with my clients one-on-one, then please visit my website at www.slch.ch. Again, that is www.slch.ch. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at SethLusk underscore coaching. Again, that is SethLusk underscore coaching. And on Facebook in my free Facebook group community called A Healthy Life Connection. We would love to have you in the group and it's only three membership questions that you have to answer to join. And again, it's entirely free. And if you need any further information or just want to say hello, feel free to send me an email directly at slusk.health at slch.ch. Again, that is slusk.health at slch.ch. Thank you again so much for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Ciao.